I want to talk to you about prayer. And this is, this is my last sermon of the year, probably, on prayer. Thank you for, for helping me with that, Finn. Um, as I mentioned that today is the last day, it's the fourth Sunday of our 22 days of prayer, and our theme has been a people of prayer. And what we've been praying for is that God would make us, this congregation, us, me and you, a people giving ourselves to prayer. We've looked at stories and we've looked at teachings pertaining to prayer, and we've been asking God, help us to be a people of prayer. Well, today's a bit unusual um, and it's a bit, it, it's been very unusual for me uh, personally just to be kind of vulnerable. I've been under a lot of stress because of today. Uh, usually I know uh, ahead of time specific texts that I'm going to preach. Um, either myself or someone else is going to preach to our congregation. And, and usually with preaching what we do is we take a passage of scripture and we like to explain it in context. For, for them and their, in their day and age, and for, the, for their time, what it meant for them. And then we like to take it and we like to apply it to us. How does it apply to us now in the 21st century? Well, that's our normal method. That's, our, that's the way we normally go about this time when we talk about preaching sermons. But it's been different for me in two ways. One... I've known we were going to do the 22 days of prayer, and the last three weeks, I, I, the, the passages were very clear to me. But for whatever reason, when it, when it came to the, this today, I just, I just drew blanks. I, even, even all week long, and then as of, as of even last night, I took three different passages, and I said, okay, Lord, I've been looking at these all week. Which one is it? <laughs> um, and I've been really stressed. I thought, was it Nehemiah chapter 1, you know, the Old Testament? No. Is it Ephesians 1, 15 through 23? No. So it's been difficult for me. And this morning, I, I feel that I've landed on something different. And so what I'm doing right now if you're a guest in here, this is not, what, this is not normal, so if, if you were to come back, hopefully what you would see would be, the way I think I would define a sermon is, is perhaps taking a passage and preaching the main point of that passage, the main intent of that passage, and then applying it to our life and expounding it, explaining it. But I'm not going to do that this morning. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to share a message. <laughs> I'm going to share a message. Now, don't judge me. Because hopefully I've preached enough sermons that you can differentiate between a devotion, a message, and a sermon. And I don't want to make a text say something that it doesn't, that it never intended to say or to mean, right? You, 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 don't, want to, you don't want to abuse scripture in that way. But, but I'm calling this morning's a message. So if you'll just grant me that. And so... Um, how I got here was I felt the Lord was leading me to just write an article. So in the article, I, I entitled uh, Four Things That I Relearned 
about prayer. That's the title of the article. Um, and I'm writing it for hopefully publication. But I feel like God wanted me to take that and rework it for just a brief moment for us. And I'm retitling it for things I relearned during the 22 days of prayer. Because I feel like God has spoken to me. And I want to share that with you. And I hope that you will now take whatever I might say, line it with Scripture, pray it back to the Lord, and let's and just see where, where it will take you. Okay? Well, here's how I started this article that I've been writing. I started it this way. The past two years, our church has set aside three weeks in January to pursue the Lord in prayer. During this time, we try to do things that we normally would not regularly do in the course of a year. For example, this year, the women of our church gathered early Sunday to pray before the service. The men, likewise, on Saturdays in two different locations, attempted to do the same. We got one weekend, and we know that the past two weeks have been drowned out by by the weather. There was one week where there were Zoom calls on different days for members to join in and pray. Our monthly youth gathering gave the majority of its time to teaching on and then practicing or participating in prayer. There were four sermons preached on the topic of prayer. And as a side note, at the end of one of those sermons, individuals who had an impossible prayer request had the opportunity to stand, and members throughout the congregation gravitated towards them and prayed for them. And lastly, 15 minutes have been spent during the service calling out to God in prayer. Well, as these three weeks come to an end, I find myself yet saddened again. You might be asking me, well, why are you saddened? You should be excited that your church participated in prayer. And yes, I am excited, and I am thankful, but I'm saddened at the thought of having to go back to congregational life as normal. Deep down, somewhere inside of me, I believe that the way in which we have recently lived is the normal Christian life for a congregation. Well, as it pertains to us this morning, I just want to share four things that I relearned during this 22 days of prayer. And here they go. And I'm just going to step away from my notes, and I'm just going to share my heart. Um, number one, prayer must personally be a way of life. And I'm looking by example at the life of Jesus. And so when you look at Jesus, read with me Mark 1.35. It says, in rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, what did he do? He departed and went outside to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Luke 6. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Personally, I feel like it's been very clear to me that a prayerless Christian, a prayerless pastor, a prayerless congregation is an oxymoron. I feel like God has dealt with me first. 
in the midst of our 22 days, the one thing I felt like he said to me, will you give, your, will you give yourself to prayer? And I don't mean a, a tack it on before I pray over my meal or in passing, hey, quick prayer. I mean prayer as a way of life. And if you think about why did Jesus pull away to pray? I mean, he was the son of God. He, he was God, very God. Why did he pull away early in the morning? Why did he stay up all night? Why at different times, even in another part in Luke, he, he would slip out. He slipped out and he would go pray. Why? Because he loved communing with the Father. And God has given this means of experiencing his grace called prayer by which we enjoy fellowship with him. And, and if you think about what eternity will look like for the Christian, it will be in his presence, fullness of joy, always with him. And so he graciously gives us this this little means by which we get to experience him. We get to enjoy relationship with him. Jesus was, Jesus was, was never had, he never was told, hey, you got to go pray. Jesus lived in communion with the Father. And so the, 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 the one thing I just, I, I want to say to us is that prayer must personally be a way of life. It's not the other way around, again, where you tack it on. It's communion. That's the way we were designed to be in relationship. Do you know that in heaven you won't be married? For those who are married. You, you, will, have, you, you will be with your maker. That will be the predominant relationship. And what is God doing here now on earth? He's, 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 he's gathering together a family by which he will spend eternity with. And we get to commune with him on this side of heaven. And so prayer is communion with God. And it was as if God said to me, Scott, will you devote your life? And I want to ask you, will you devote your life? You. Everybody's busy. Everybody. But the question I'm asking is, will you give yourself to, to, to prayer as a way of life? You have to rise early in the morning. Will you rise early? Let that fall on you. I'll never forget when I was in seminary and, and I was just podunking along one day. We had to go to these mandatory chapels, convocations, what they were called on Wednesdays. And I kind of bebop. Come into the convocation, you know, I'm just going to hear what I'm going to hear and leave. And I remember there was a speaker, and he was speaking on prayer that day, and he came from the book of James. And he just talked about, you know, James talks about you have not because you ask not. And he was just kind of expounding that passage and talking about prayer. And I remember I, I was like way, 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 way up there. I wasn't interested really in what was going going on. I had a lot to do. had papers to write. But I was way up there. Nobody could bother me. Nobody could see me. Minding my own business. I had already, I think I understood the passage a little bit. But as this guy spoke, it was like God began to knock on my heart. 
And I remember by the end, my heart was beating. They dismissed convocation, and I beelined to the library. And I went to the very back corner of the library where, where usually, because that's where I would go study, nobody, nobody would really kind of go back there. And I remember I beelined to the back. And I remember I made a pledge to God, and I said to God, whatever it takes, I want you to make me a man of prayer. I want to be close to you. I want to know you. And I remember I sat in there for about two hours, and, and on and off, I was just crying. I wanted to be, I want to be the real thing. And you're a Christian, and I want you to be the real thing, too. You have a relationship with the Father. And I want you to press into that and make prayer be a way of life for you, like it was for Jesus. He's our example. Now, are we going to be perfect like Jesus? No. No. But he modeled for us what communing with the Father is like. So the first thing that I relearned and I was reminded, and by God's grace, I'm rededicating my life. What does it look like for me to live a life of prayer? Pray, prayer must personally be a way of life. Number two is, if you can maybe help me um, up top. Number two, for prayer to be a priority in our homes, it must be intentional and it must be a resolve. Now, I looked at Acts 1 and I thought this was interesting. Now, the main, the main point of Acts 1 and Acts 12 it is not what, what, what my point is. I, I know that. I, I think indirectly you just see these things. That's why I'm calling this a message, okay? But notice Acts 1.14. It says, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And then in 12.12, uh, 12, it says, and when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, two different Marys, where many were gathered together and they were praying. What do, you, what do you see in these passages? You see in chapter 1, Mary. You see his brothers. You see Jesus' mother. You see Jesus' brothers. And what were they doing? They were praying. It was a family. Jesus had left by this time, and he said, he said, go wait for me in the upper room. Go wait in prayer. And that's what they did. And so when you think about the priority in a home, so if, 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 if you're a dad in here, I'm speaking to you. If, if you're a parent in here, and let's say if you're a mom in here and your husband is, is not around, perhaps he passed or perhaps he left. Or maybe you're a single in here and you have roommates or, or, or you live alone. I, if, if, if you are the leader of your home, I'm talking to you right now. Prayer, and I've relearned this, must be intentional. I mentioned that uh, one of the things I committed to during the 22 days is every night, the best I could, I was going to bring my family together and we were going to pray. I mentioned that there's, they all got different schedules. It's pretty chaotic, but I just said, you know what? Around 9 o'clock, I'm bringing whoever's here, and we're gathering together and praying. And it's been very interesting that as I've done that, I feel like God has been working in our family. Now, has it been perfect every time? You know, sometimes one of us will fall asleep. 
But it is interesting how, how God has been moving and working. And so I'm resolved more than ever to be intentional to say at 9 o'clock or around that time, we are praying because I believe that prayer is communion with God and it leads to the advancement of God's kingdom in my home. Proud people don't pray. People that are self-sufficient don't pray. And I want to give you a news flash. You can't build a spiritual kingdom in your home. If you find yourself prayerless, let that not be new news to you in the sense that, hey, listen, you need God to even help you to be a person of prayer. So calling out to him saying, God, help me to lead my home. Help me to even lead myself. I can't. I need you. And be intentional and have a resolve. You know what a resolve is, right? It's like, I'm going to do this no matter what. Hell or high water, I am going to do this. I am going to knock at the door. My family's going to knock at the door. And we're going to ask to know you, to desire you, to love you, and that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven in our lives. And so if we're going to be people of prayer, families, you have you must, I, I use the word must. It must be intentional and it must be a resolve. Well, thirdly, if you could help me up there. Thirdly, third thing that I've learned during the 22 days, and I'm kind of working outward in concentric circles. So I start personally, then I'm working within our family, and now in our congregation. Thirdly, our congregation must designate regular time to prayer. I started doing some math, which I'm not a math major. And if you're in my family, you're like, hallelujah. I'm a kind of a, a rounded to the highest value kind of a guy, right? You know, when we come together, we come together for about an hour and 15 minutes or so on Sunday morning. And more than likely, we probably spend about maybe, and I'm going to be generous, let's just say 10 to 15 minutes. Let's say 15 minutes of our time together as a church family in prayer. For those who are, who are math-minded, if we have an hour and 15 minutes and we give 15 minutes to prayer, how, how, what's 20%, all right? 20%. Well, we also meet on Wednesdays in missional communities. We usually meet for about two hours, maybe two and a half hours. And the missional communities that I've been in, we, we probably average, I would just say, I'm going to try to be generous here, probably 15 minutes, let's just say 20 minutes, 20 minutes of prayer, right? I, I think maybe that's being generous. I think it may vary per missional community. But when you do the math, you're together two and a half hours and you give your 15 minutes to prayer. What's the math? What's the percentage? 15 to 20%. Let's just say 20%. Not even close, probably 10%. And then we meet in DNA every other week, right? We meet in discipleship groups. And I'm, my guess is that we probably spend a little more time praying. We share, we look at scripture, and then we pray for one another. So let's say we meet for two hours. Maybe we spend 30 minutes in prayer for each other. Am I being generous? And let's just say that's 30%, right? 
When I'm talking about prayer for as a congregation, I'm talking about us intentionally making room to give ourselves when we gather to pray. And I think if you just, you know, look at the statistics, we're probably on the lower end. Now, I don't want to be legalistic about that, right? I, I don't, um, but, but I do want to say that for us to be a people of prayer, we have to prioritize when we gather as a family praying. Um, how did I go back? How did I get off that? Listen to Acts 2.42. The Spirit had come. The, the, the outpouring of the Spirit had taken place. There was revival going on, and it says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They were, and I underline the word continually, that, that present active, that they were continually devoting themselves. They were pressing in. They were, they were resolving to do it. To prayer, and, and, it, and in, that included, in that day and age, as you know, the Jewish people had three times of prayer, right? They prayed at 9, they prayed at 12, and they prayed at 3. And what the disciples and these new believers, they still went to the temple and prayed. Even when you, when you go, go into later on in the book of Acts, when, Acts, or when Paul, I think in Acts 17, he, maybe verse 12, he he, revisited, he visited Jerusalem and went to the temple, and while he was in there praying, he, he, the Spirit spoke to him. He had a vision, and, and the Spirit was like, you got to leave here. But they, they, particip- they, they had an organized time when they prayed, and they gave themselves to prayer during those, those three different times. But then they also prayed in their homes. And so what you see is a designated time of prayer. And so what I'm saying, congregation... I don't want to give this to us, what we need to do as a prayer, as a family, but, but I just want you to begin thinking, how can we designate more of a regular time of prayer? And lastly, the fourth thing is that our flesh, the world, and the devil will give us every reason not to pray. I promise. Your flesh will tell you you're too tired. Your mind will say, man, I can't really focus, right? That, the, the, world, the world will keep you busy. The world will keep you distracted. The world will, will have you focus on other things. The world, by the way, is influencing your flesh. And then the devil. The devil doesn't want us to pray, obviously. Because I think he knows that when we commune with God... We find our heart's delight, and then God's kingdom advances through us. So our flesh, the world, and the devil will give us every reason not to pray. And so, so on this last Sunday and this last day of the 22 days of praying, what will we do? What will you do? What will you do personally? What will you do in your family? What will we do as a congregation And I started off by reading the intro of this article that I'm writing. I'm saddened because I'm fearful that we will go back 
to the normal way things have always operated. In church, we don't have to. We don't have to. Women, you can keep praying. Men, you can wake up early or go to bed on Friday night and wake up early. You can meet at 6 to pray for our church together. You can, you can keep doing that. Do you know that? Now, I'm not saying the same person lead prayer every time. No, but we can keep doing that. Church, we can make more room to pray while we're together because this is what families do before the Father. And we can keep praying that his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Lord.